We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What is up, everybody? Welcome to the Uncontested Weekly Show, part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm your host on this Wednesday evening, J.D. Silva, joined by a trio of fellas. First one being Jacob Niffin. What's up? The second one being Taylor Peterson. I like that. It's kind of like a an intro, like <laughs> I'm, you know. High five and everybody just got announced starting lineup. I can drink. Starting at guard. <laughs> 45 minute podcaster. Taylor <laughs> Peterson. From UCLA. <laughs> and last but certainly not least, it's Nicholas Crane. I'm gonna give away the pod tonight. Um, since there's no slop, we're making up slop. Get ready. <laughs> I'm a self-slop creator. Interesting. Living our slop fantasy on this one. Take me to the trough, baby. I want some slop. <laughs> slop and Live and die by the slop. The slop god is what they're calling him these days. Oh, the slop wizard. Or slop wizard, there it is. God. Uh, before we get totally dug into this episode, be sure to, to subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts. Leave us a five-star rating if you have not done so already. Catch us live on YouTube, Instagram, you, uh, Facebook. almost said YouTube twice. Hello. Uh, follow us on Twitter and all those other places you already listened to us at. Boys, it's slop season. But first, we need to talk about Unel from last <laughs> night against the Utah Jazz. The Thunder lost 124 <laughs> to 117. That's already having a great time. <laughs> 124 to 117 Thunder L in Utah. Um, big takeaways from this one. Who wants to start? How about Jacob Niffin? Oh, no. Um, there were moments where the team was really, really good, especially in the beginning of that third quarter. 
and then they kind of just let go of the rope. The bench was very, very bad. I thought Josh Giddy was also very not good. And the Jazz just hit big shots down the stretch. Specifically, the Thunder just had absolutely no answer for Laurie Markkinen. If they put a smaller guy on him, he would just shoot over the top. Um, if they put a bigger guy on him, he would just put him beneath the rim. Laurie was awesome, like absolutely awesome. Had a really great game, and I think it was 8 of 10 in the second half. You couple that with the Thunder not being able to get stops and the late game zone that Utah threw out, kind of catching the Thunder a little bit off guard, especially when they were essentially playing uh, five defenders against four Thunder offensive players. Uh, really mucked up the offense there at the end. Um, credit to Utah. They're a good team. Uh, they made the plays down the stretch to win the game. I think the Thunder are very tired, and I think these three days off uh, are very good for them. Can you elaborate on that? Um, four on five on offense. I think that's a foreshadow to something that you're leaving people on a, on the edge of their seat. Let's let's talk about that. There, it, it's a hot topic that people are very, very split on. I, I apparently pissed a lot of people off uh, on the internet last night. Not my first time. Won't be my last time. Classic. <laughs> um, it's just like become abundantly clear how teams are going to treat Josh Giddy on a basketball court. And for Utah in that zone and even in man defense for the entire night, uh, they just ignored him. Like they put their center, John Collins, on Josh and man coverage. And John Collins just let Josh do whatever he wanted, didn't even pay attention to him, and just clogged up driving lanes for Shea and Dub. That's part of the reason why the Thunder have taken so many threes. And then in that zone defense, they were very aggressive at the top uh, and let Josh sit wide open over there in the corner. Uh, the ball finds Josh. He misses the three. He got pulled after that. I don't think he got pulled from the game there at the last two and a half, three minutes because he missed a three-pointer. I think he got pulled from the game because the way the Jazz were guarding the team with Josh on the floor. And Josh had a great game in Toronto, Nick. Like, massive reason why they won the game. We, we talked about, like, you got to give credit to him. That's also the 12th worst team in the East. Like, the Thunder probably shouldn't go to double overtime anyways against that team. The inconsistencies from Josh have been an issue. But, uh, and you guys know this, like, I was on this podcast for months talking about how incredible Josh was in the playing game and how the small sample we have of postseason basketball, Josh was a badass. Times are different. Things have changed. He is in a role now that he, I feel like he cannot excel in. And it's not only on the offensive end. Like, they're in the second quarter. Colin Sexton would bring the ball up the floor. They would find who Josh was covering. They'd bring that guy up to set a screen. They'd ISO Josh, and Colin uh, Sexton would go af after him. Play after play after play after play. Josh did get a strip on one on the final one before he got pulled there as well. I want the kid to figure it out. I want him to be good. I love Josh Giddy. I think he is a very good basketball player. I think I am at the point now where I do not think he fits with what this team has evolved into. His best 
the best thing you can do with Josh is have the ball in his hand. When it's game three on the road with the series tied 1-1 in the fourth quarter with two minutes left, the ball is not going to be in Josh Giddy's hands. Like, you are giving it to Shea or Dub, and you are running a pick and roll with Chet. Like, the ball will not be in Josh's hands because that's how this team has evolved. You have an MVP candidate, a guy that might win the MVP this year on your team. I, I'm starting to get very much like Jeff Green vibes as far as good player who just doesn't fit with how the team is evolving. Sorry, that's a big rant. I apologize. I just took like six minutes. No, no, no. It, it's a good point. I I think um, <clears throat> Josh isn't, and everything you said is valid, by the way. Um, and that's that's a bit of opinion, but also like if you turn on the film, like I don't think you can argue anything you said. Um, I think Josh, there's been multiple times during bad games, like last night, where he has really nice cuts for easy buckets. There was one last night that I remember vividly, like Chade dribbling right side, mid-range. Josh cuts, middle of the paint, catches it, contested layup, makes it. I, I'm i struggling to figure out what's going through his head when you see like him waving his arms on the perimeter or like parked in the corner when guys are getting doubled. Like that's that's not your strong suit. Like he did go through a stretch there where he was shooting like 38% from three for like over a two-month stretch. Um, he's not that kind of shooter, like cut, like be the smart player. You are, he's a guy that absolutely does need the ball in his hands to be the best player he can be. That does not mean he has to have the ball in his hands to be an effective player. Agreed. I just, I just, I've seen too much of him parked on the, on the outside of the three point line where guys like Isaiah Joe and other good shooters should be where he's a guy that if, if he goes and parks it in the, the short corner or, at the free throw line at the nail and like does this Jokic thing where he catches it at the free throw line turns. If no one guards him, I'm fine with him shooting a little midi or a little, you know, floater from the free throw line or taken to the cup. If, if someone's going to come up on him, he's got the passing chops to, to dish it down low or kick it out to a, a relocating shooter. I think that people in the fan base, especially on a certain segment of Twitter, um, are like completely out on Josh. And I don't think you are Jacob. I, I think you're making valid points just because he is his best with the ball in his hands. Doesn't mean he couldn't change things to be more effective as an off ball player. And off ball does not mean you have to be a spot up shooter. There's other ways to be effective off the ball. Totally agree. I'm not saying Josh is the reason they lost the game last night by any means. There's a plethora of reasons why they lost the game last night. But when you look at the big picture from this season, there is a trend, and, and there the the word is out. Josh was three of eight last night, two of four from three. If you can leave him, basically ignore him on offense, put an extra body in the paint to deter Shea and Dub, and the payoff is Josh goes three of eight with like, what do you have, four rebounds, three assists? Every team says, oh, hell yeah. We make that trade 10 days out of 10 and twice on Sundays. And if that's a random game on February 6th, what happens in game three of the playoffs? Game four of the playoffs. When all a team is doing is finding your weak link and beating the absolute shit out of it till it breaks. There are ways for him to be effective. 
but what the team needs from him because the way they've grown organically, I just don't know if it's the right fit anymore. Mm-hmm. And if you told me that Josh is not on the Oklahoma City Thunder uh, to start the 2024-25 season, that would not surprise me in the slightest. Yeah, and last thing I'll say, and we take up the airtime, Silva and, and Taylor probably have thoughts. I still think I'm pretty confident uh, in saying while the data was would suggest that Josh could get cooked in the play on both ends of the floor. We even talked about the defense and like getting switched onto guys, all that kind of, we, we saw it with mellow in the, in the brightest light. Um, I think Oklahoma city, given they're ahead of schedule. And while people want this team to be number one in the West and win it all this year, it's like probably not the reality. Um, I think Oklahoma city is willing to take Josh into the playoffs and see firsthand. Maybe there's something that works or that we're not thinking about or a tweak that Mark makes or an adjustment Josh makes that like, okay, he, he actually can be effective. Uh, maybe it's disastrous and maybe his trade value just plummets and he clearly doesn't fit this team and he's gone for pennies on the dollar. But I think this front office is prepared to take him into the playoffs, hoping for the best, but ready for the worst. Like, I, I don't think you trade him now. There's 0% chance he gets traded by the deadline. Yeah, unless I've seen Godfather offer. Kind I've, of seen, I've seen enough of that on the timeline that it think it needed to be addressed. Yeah, it's it's not happening. Part of the worry is if you wait till the summertime, does his value go lower? That that's a debate we don't have to have right now. Um, but this this team has said time and time again they are not like placing any like premature expectations on players. They are not putting them into a role. They're going to see what they can do. And they're going to take Josh to the playoffs and they're going to see what they can do. At this point on February 7th, my thought is by game three of the playoffs, Josh is on the bench and he's not in the starting lineup because other teams will scheme him off the floor. That could change. That's just my opinion as of February 7th. But again, I don't want people, the takeaway doesn't need to be, oh, Jacob hates Josh Giddy. I want Josh to be successful. Like I want every guy on this team to be successful. Just from what I'm seeing, it's looking like he is in a position where he is uncomfortable and where he cannot succeed currently. I think you guys right, nailed JD, it. JD, Taylor, have a good rest of the podcast. <laughs> we will see you guys later. <laughs> I mean, I, I've been saying it for the majority of the season. And welcome to the club. I mean, I don't even want to harp on it too much more because I think you guys nailed it in that regard. I think the only thing that I thought back to, I think it was last Wednesday when it was you and I, Silva, and we talked a lot about Josh and there was a lot of people in the YouTube comments upset. Like one thing that I think kind of got overlooked on something that I mentioned is that, yes, Josh is better. A lot of this is due to the role on this team that he's had to adjust to because of the emergence of other guys, the emergence of Chet Holmgren, and obviously the biggest one being the emergence of J-Dub needing the ball in his hands. And I think an easy solution for a lot of these people is to say, well, just get the ball to Giddy and let him create and be more of a creator and do what he was doing the last two seasons. My argument to that is that this team is way better when a J-Dub has the ball in his hand and is creating or Chet has more opportunities. Like that's not what's best for the team at this point. And Josh understands that. We heard his post game here uh, after the Toronto game. Like he's very mature. He understands that. But it's not as easy as just giving the ball to Josh Moore. I did like what you mentioned Nick, about putting him in certain situations that maybe are a little more beneficial for the team and for him as a whole. 
like especially with this Thunder team struggling so much with zone defense, why not use him as like almost I don't want to say in more of a traditional big role, but in those circumstances, flash him to the high post, put him down at the block, let him flash up to the high post, throw it into him at the free throw line, let the zone uh, collapse on him, and like you mentioned, either let him drive and look for cutters uh, when he's driving to the rim, a floater if it's there, or kick out to an open shooter. They aren't using him like that at all. I have like some of the wrinkles we've seen where you bring up Josh Gage screen for some of these other ball handlers, but. I mean, you can only do that so much before teams pick up on it for starters. Yeah. And two, that's very ineffective against his own defense. And so those are just kind of some thoughts that have come to my head as after Sylvan and I talked about this here about a week ago. I am surprised I haven't seen more center Josh, frankly. Um, and I think this is not something we should go on a tangent out because we're already 16 minutes in, but uh, Cambridge Williams has struggled a bit yeah. of late. And if if he's not playing well at the backup five in that small ball lineup, why not try Josh there? Yeah. I like that a lot. Uh, the defense is the issue. I think is the reason we haven't seen a lot. Well, of I think that. The, 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 the defending in space is the issue with Josh. He didn't have the quick feet, but he has the, the, the body size. I'm not like, I'm not saying he can defend like an elite center, but if you're playing against a team, that's got like a, a league average center, Dwight Powell, yeah, what's what's the difference between Ken Rich and Josh? Walker Kessler. Like one guy has a dog in him and one guy's just a big body. Like, he has the body to defend in the paint with physicality. He doesn't have the, the foot speed to defend in the open floor. So, I, I, again, center makes sense as a little backup plug. On both ends on the floor. I agree. I don't think I have anything else to say about Josh. Like, my thoughts are out there. I agree with all of you guys as far as Josh. I'll make this clear again that we're not sitting here just shitting on him saying he is bad, a bad basketball player or that he will always be bad or anything like that. We're not. It's it, The conversation, I think, and tell me if you guys think otherwise, is fit-related. We're not sitting here mm-hmm. like demolishing him and tearing him down as, a, as far as the future of him as a basketball player. It, this is a fit issue where the Thunder are in a situation where they have three guys in the pecking order at least that are – you want the ball in their hands more. You want the ball in SGA, J-Dub, and Chet's hands more than Josh. And if you're going to change the scheme to empower a guy like Josh, that means you're taking the ball out of their hands, and why would you do that whenever mm-hmm. they don't have the weaknesses Josh has? They can all dribble, pass, and shoot. Josh can do two of those things. It's and look, we aren't pretty blind. Much like, our, right. our Australian listeners just skyrocketed when Josh Giddy was drafted. We understand that a lot of you wouldn't be Thunder fans, and not just Australian listeners in general, but... Lobby wouldn't be Thunder fans if it wasn't for Josh B. Josh Giddy being drafted here. But we are a Thunder podcast. <laughs> we're not, you know, we're not. We're going to talk about this team as a whole, not just individual players all the time. So the Jazz game. Hey, <laughs> J Dub came back and was good. Shea was awesome. Uh, I thought the bench Jet was, was the bench was butt. Minus Usman. Usman great. Usman had his best nice. half of the season. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, that first half was incredible. Best five minutes. <laughs> yeah. Season. Yeah. He had uh, he had a block there. He was hitting open shots. He was more aggressive driving to the rim. There was that one. There was one point he actually like kind of put his shoulder into somebody. I can't remember. He, who he it had was some now. like pretty aggressive rebounds. I thought he played good defense. That was better. We'll see. But then he gets burned in the second half, understandably so. And didn't wasn't nearly as effective and got pulled the pretty whole quickly. Bench was bad the second half. Aaron Wiggins was yep. bad. Jay Will was bad. Kenrich was bad. Vasa Micic was bad. 
Fossa looked slower. I think maybe the ankle injury that he was questionable heading into the game with maybe he had a, a role in that. But yeah, Vasa looked to be a step slow. And again, like kind of to the bench as a whole, the Jazz go on a 14-0 run in the third quarter and essentially didn't look back at that point. The Thunder went on a couple of runs themselves, got it close there in the fourth. But after that 14-0 run in the third quarter, that's pretty much it. Defense was very poor. Yeah, yeah, they're tired. I, I, I don't take too much away from this game, honestly, other than what they're doing schematically to halt the team, like zone. Let me, let me ask you all this question. Zone, beating zone. Like we, we saw zone in the Raptors game for a while. That gave him some fits, mucked up the offense. Is, I don't know, what do you think is the reason why they're not? Is it, is it a lack of shooting in that lineup that's preventing them from breaking these zones? Is that what's messing them up? I don't think it's as simple as just you shoot the ball to end the zone. Like you have to attack it a certain way. You right. have to get backdoor cuts. I think whenever I think about the Thunder breaking the zone, I think a lot about that game last year against the Heat that was on national TV where the Heat shot 40 free throws. And it was like the worst game ever in the world. <laughs> the Heat played a lot of zone because that's what the Heat do. And if you remember that second quarter, like Aaron Wiggins and Kenrich Williams had like eight straight points off back cuts because the zone watches the ball, not the man. I think there needs to be like more ball. And credit to the Thunder, they're figuring out all these different defenses that are being thrown their way. They're seeing a lot of different looks because they're so good. Teams are trying different things against them. And they're cracking the code. They just have to continue to learn those lessons and apply them because come the playoffs, like, Ratchet that bad boy up. You're going to see a lot more of that. Yeah. The Thunder were 19 of 37, 50%, sorry, 51% from three last night uh, compared to the Jazz's 40%. It felt like Walker, or sorry, I almost said Walker, Walker Kessler, uh, Keontae George, and Mark and N were just torching the Thunder from outside. That wasn't necessarily the case. They had some huge shots, obviously, from outside. Thunder shot 51% from the floor with, on two more three point, or sorry, from three on two more three point attempts than the jazz did it's not as simple as just hitting your outside shots obviously isaiah joe helps there especially towards the end of the game when josh giddy was in like we mentioned but that's not just the answer i think you're exactly right jacob they got to be moving the ball more there's a lot of shay just trying to get to the rim j-dub trying to get his shot in the mid-range and you can't quite do that with zone defenses and it's also not just like okay the jazz have switched to a two-three zone it's like matchup zone it's a 2-3 zone. It's man-to-man. Next possession, it's back to the 2-3. They're getting multiple looks within, you know, between possession to possession. And I that find be that really interesting. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, it's, not like, it. it's, not, it's not like I would be interested to see the statistics on the three-point shooting against the zone. Like you can't just point at 51% from three and say, oh, they should have busted the zone because they could have gone 0-4 against zone because teams are more run it and small two to five minute increments just like they're off rhythm and that's normal across it's not just like a thunder thing it's very normal if you're gonna run zone it's usually gonna be a couple minutes during a run to throw off rhythm and then you're back in man like you're, even if it's working you're not gonna run zone the whole damn quarter like you're gonna get back into man um i think like movement both player movement and ball movement is key like if you're just standing around like we talked about josh earlier just sitting in the corner um, that's not going to work against zone. Not only can you not shoot it, but you got to like move your body to make the zone move. Cause the definition of zone defense is 
you're responsible for an area. And if you're parked in the corner, you're making that guy's job really damn easy to defend his area. Um, I think that penetration is key, but you have to be able to kick it. Like you're not going to be able to penetrate and then shake up your grief. <laughs> you're generally not going to be able to penetrate and then just score. Um, I think a lot of teams have success with high low, which going back to Josh again, like park that dude at the free throw line and run some high low. Um, I don't know. I, I just think this team figures out zone with a few minutes of adjustment, but if they're going to be an elite team, it's got to be like, all right, they're running zone, break it. Like maybe you don't have to break it the first possession. Like it takes some time to figure it out because sometimes it looks like a two, three, but like Taylor said, it's actually a matchup or it's like a, a box and one and the, the high guy on it. Like it looks like a three, two, but the high guy is actually defending Shea. You don't realize that until you pass the ball to the right wing and Shea goes to the left wing and that exactly. guy follows him instead of stays in the middle. But, um, you got to break it quicker. You can't go on a three-minute drought in this league because the other team will score nine points in that three minutes, and the game's flipped. You got to yep. figure it out by possession two or three. Totally agree. I do have one more negative before we do get into some positives because I think we do need to touch on guys like Chet and Jada specifically. But one thing that Dagon mentioned out post game, I thought Nick Gallo had a really good point. I'm kind of curious your guys' thoughts. Utah outscored the Thunder sixty to thirty-six in the paint. Maybe on the surface, that doesn't seem all that surprising, given that we talk about the Thunder needing more size and physicality, but the stat that Gallo had kind of surprised me. Okay, so he came into the game fifth in paint, scoring at 53.5 per game, and third and fewest paint points allowed at 45.8. I would not have guessed that had I not seen that stat. I would have just assumed they always got destroyed in the paint. But obviously Utah, I mean, that was a, a big uh, emphasis for Utah last night. And I think kind of goes back to the Thunder's maybe lack of effort on the defensive end of the floor. Again, I just think they're tired. Like you just went double OT against Toronto, then jumped on a plane, played in Utah. I think they will look different uh, whenever they play in Dallas on Saturday. Not only physically, but maybe personnel-wise as well. What a segue. Um, we can we can be done with this game. Chet was awesome. J-Dub was awesome coming back. SGA, awesome as usual. Usman heard all of our slander on Sunday. Uh, we told him he was just the biggest piece of lard on the team, and he came <laughs> back and went, uh, what was it, two of two from three, three of three from the field goal. Uh, Jacob, I think you mentioned that he played like good physical defense, was more assertive, uh, which is great to see. But so... Chet's game uh, per Thunder PR was his sixth game with at least three made threes and three plus blocks. That's the most ever by a rookie in NBA history. I think we're starting to see a much better Chet. And it's impressive to me that he's just been able to respond after playing poorly in January due to that insane schedule, tired legs, the physicality of the NBA. Um, it was, it's really good to see Chet kind of step up like he has here uh, at the end of January into the beginning of February. All right. It's time to talk some trades, but before that, we should take a break. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. 
Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. We're back from the break. <laughs> I like that. It's a good hey, but before we talk trades, uh, friends of the show and fellow Blue Wire podcasters, uh, the Six Man Show, they're an Orlando Magic podcast. They are having a podcast like night at the Orlando Magic game next Tuesday against the Oklahoma City Thunder. I've never wanted to win so bad in my life. <laughs> <laughs> shout, out Man, to throwing... shout out to Jonathan and the six man guys. <laughs> Love those dudes. I hope you have a guys have a great time. And I hope you eat shit. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, that'll be a fun hey. matchup. Um, it's trade season, so that means we get this sounder. But there's not that much so far. Before we get into the three small trades that happened around the league today, I figured we should talk about uh, the Thunder trade deadline. It's uh, tomorrow at, what, 3 p.m. Eastern? 3 Eastern, 2 Central. Where will you be at 2 Central tomorrow, J.D.? I'll be at work. Will you be in the bathroom on the toilet? Probably. Hiding so you can be on your phone? (laughs) Probably so. It's a long uh, potty break. Silva, got to do what I got to (laughs) do. Nick, where will you be at at 2 p.m. tomorrow? I'll be sitting right here. Well, are you working from home tomorrow? I work from home every day. Oh, okay. Taylor, wow. where will you be tomorrow at 2 p.m.? I will be at work. I will be at work. Hey, you know what? Will you also funny, be in the bathroom? Funny, funny aside, uh, my boss has really kind of started, both my, my supervisor and my boss have both kind of gotten into the thunder, um, especially more so this season. And, you know, always love picking my brain. It's been a lot of fun. But my boss has a burner account on Twitter. Won't tell me what it is, but follows along. It's hilarious. And uh, so we were texting back and forth. He was at the game. I think he was at the Toronto game. And uh, anyways, it was pretty funny. I was like, you literally just made that just to creep on me and see if I'm tweeting during work. And he was like, I don't care. Get your work done. I enjoy following you guys and, and listening to what you have to say. So anyways, I think I'm in the clear. Shout out my boss, David. He knows what two o'clock means. Also, they're in Houston for Nate. Speaking of trades, that's yeah. a big oil and gas trade thing. Yeah. Um, so. <laughs> I took All right. tomorrow because I'm a degenerate. So I will be here. You, I mean, what? I you took I PTO? Mean. I took yeah, PTO. He did. The he trade deadline? I've done it every year. Uh, You've been really for disappointed time. for a long time. Yeah. <laughs> when it's, are you going to learn your lesson? Day. It's a fun day, and I don't want to be so distracted at work that I'm not getting anything done. Eating your sandwich Aren't while Mike Muscala gets traded to the Celtics and then <laughs> waiting, 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 and Darius Baisley is traded for Dario Saric. And then, well, that's the day. Yummy. Yep. Last year, they traded Dario for Dario Saric. They got rid of Baisley, and then I went to Brahms. Well, what a day. What that a was day. a good day. Do we expect the Thunder to do something tomorrow? Let's, let's go percentage. Nick, give us a percentage. 
Do you think the Thunder will make a move tomorrow? Um, I will put it at 65%, but I do not think it's the trade people are thinking of that's like raising that ceiling of 65. It could be a kick the can trade on picks. It could be we're not extending Poku. Let's trade him for nothing. It could be an actual trade. Um, but something happening, I think, I think will happen. I just don't think it's going to be the traditional like, well, I take this back. It may be the traditional like, oh, they traded for a big like we all expected. But the 65 I'm putting it at is because there's also a, a slurry of other options that are not the traditional trade that could happen. Taylor? Predicting what the Thunder do? Uh, just yeah, a percentage, percentage chance. Percentage chance that they do do something. And then after that, we'll all throw out a new. I'm so do do. I'm so bad at like percentages. I always do like 50 50, 70 30. Yeah. Uh, I think in this instance, I'm kind of leaning like, I think I'm leaning 60% they do something small and 40% they don't do anything at all. That is how percentages work. You don't have to give the second number. (laughs) (laughs) I think I'm leaning like a 63.7% chance. Jacob, what do you got? What did Nick go? 65, I think. I'm going 66, baby. Oh, the price, price is, is right. right. Kind of price is right as ass. I'm with Nick. I think I kind of want to like downplay it so I don't get my hopes up. I think it's something small. Um, they don't let guys hit restricted free agency. So that makes Poku a great trade candidate. You don't have to trade Trey yet. I could see a Trey trade, Berton's trade, Picks trade coming on draft night. True, but, but maybe not here at the deadline. Yeah, it sounds like, like things at the deadline are really so. I'm gonna one up Nick though. Instead of it being. Like the Thunder do this small move where they move off Poku and get like a highly protected second or something like that. I'm going to say the Thunder are a facilitator in a three-team deal. That was, three my, team... that was my prediction, by the way. I was saying that was an option. Okay. But I agree with you that is another alternative. I'm going to say three-team deal. To something that would get like... D'Angelo Russell, since the Hawks don't want him, he's in OKC now? Is that what you're no. saying? Uh, more like the Thunder are facilitating like the Raptors getting off of Bruce Brown or something like that. Interesting. Where would Bruce Brown be going in that situation? Uh, Sounds like Utah wants him since they traded uh, Pinocchio. Oh, there's some some (laughs) conflicting reports now. Some folks in Utah that are very plugged in are saying they've heard there's not anything going on with Bruce Brown. No. I mean, we'll see. We'll see. Maybe that's he goes to Milwaukee. Is often a mouthpiece for the Thunder's front office. However, it is a fair valid point. Okay, here it is. I'm saying a hundred percent. The Thunder do. Whoa, hey, buddy! There it is. Guaranteed. Okay, okay, okay. okay. This man you... JD has been betting. He is now a degenerate. That's throwing right. together some parlays. What falling apart on, on Twitter.com whenever they come apart. He's going to be tweeting players soon. And now he's got a hundred percent prediction in. What am so I putting let's, on that? Let's, let's do that. I'll give you over under ninety nine point five percent a Jimmy John sandwich or whatever <laughs> sandwich you prefer. 
Uh, oh, I'll do a Jimmy John's, sure. So 100%. So if something happens and the tr- the Thunder are involved in any kind of trade, you win. Hello, Jimmy John's. If they don't, <laughs> I win. Goodbye, Jimmy John's. <laughs> okay, deal. Shake on. Yeah, no, I just owes I... me a pizza and wings from like two years ago. Then I thought he did text that. Me and I'll do it. Virtual shake. It. I'll come down to Dallas sometime. You say Take that every year. Bucket. Maybe that's, that's why we haven't done it yet. Is because you keep saying you're going to come down to Dallas and yeah. get it. And you don't. We do see each other in Vegas it. every year. That is true. There it is. You guys are all going to owe me a day's worth of food. So <laughs> hey. <laughs> completely aside, and nobody that listens to the podcast cares about this, but I'm bringing it up anyways. There is a Giordano's in Vegas, and I was unaware of this. We are going at during summer. Do you guys know what Giordano's is? I don't, no, but I'm intrigued. Like, it's the uh, super famous uh, Chicago, Chicago deep dish. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I'm in. Yeah, I'm in. Oh, Very much in. I'm in. Oh, I can't wait. Some really oh, it's, so it's still good, Nick. It's like Chicago. Maybe I'm not, I'm not a Chicago pizza person. I've, oh, I've been dude. to I've been to that place in Chicago and it's almost like a casserole, dude. It's yeah, it's like, like yeah. lasagna. It's a deep you dish. Put, it's you put like it's like you have this pan and you put the crust in there and you just dump sauce. It, uh, it's not my thing. I I'm sauce dumped. <laughs> I want Momo Fuku. What? Yeah, we do need to try Momo. We're going to play tangent here. That? We are. <laughs> Momo Fuku? That's like the very famous one that like Kevin O'Connor just raves about every single year and they ran into like all the restaurant. basketball players. It's kind of like best friend that we went to this past year, Nate. Who do but, we see here? Keldon oh, Johnson. Oh. Kel- yeah, Future Thunder player, Keldon Johnson. There you go. Yeah, you got a Jimmy right John sandwich in. on that one, Jacob? Uh, no. <laughs> uh, 100% though. I think they're not going to... Pressy's going to use the Davis Bertans contract before. It goes it's, a, it's a great contract. Like, I, yeah. think that, I think that whether it's now or this summer... We're going to look back at that case in trade as good as Derek Lively is. Um, I think we're going to look back and say like, man, that moved up two spots and used Bertans for whatever it might end up being. I think it's going to be a good trade. All right, let's go back. Same order we just did. Give us, give a name. If the Thunder do make a trade, give us one name. Nick, you're oh like, you start with me. Uh... <laughs> oh, well, we can go. How about snake? How, we can do this. The snake draft order. Yes. How about yes. That? So you're first. You know, you know who it's gonna be for me, baby. It's Big Bobby P. <laughs> Big Bobby, Bobby P. Portis the BBP. In the loop. Would he? Uh, would he punch? Alexei Pokashevsky? Yes. Bucks. <laughs> uh, so I'm next. You're next. You know what my heart says. I do. Just that would say it. This is this is your time. My, to my heart says Denny Avdia. Okay. My so, head. Oh. My head. Your head says. <laughs> first, I want to get this take out out there. Put mark me down as anti Royce O'Neal. Aaron Wiggins would play over Royce O'Neal yeah, in the playoffs. We got Royce O'Neal at home and like two players. Okay. I deserve a J Dub sounder for that one. Bingo! Thank you. Um, heart says Denny. Head says. I don't know what the hell my head says. This is why, this is why I go to therapy. <laughs> um, 
somebody we haven't talked about who's a big that gets none of us excited. I've thought a lot about that too. Give me an example. Give me, give me an example of that. You know what? I take it back. I take it back. Head says Kelly Olenek. Okay. I would oh, love okay. that. If the Jazz are getting off guys that are going to uh, not be under contract this summer, Kelly Olenek fits that mold. They already got off Simon. Is it Simone? Simone Fontecchio? Simone, I think. Simone Fontecchio. Yeah. So if that's the route they are going, give me big old Kelly O. That picture we tweeted of him today makes me dislike him even more. The man <laughs> looks like he hoops while listening to Nickelback. I yeah. cannot stand it. <laughs> oh, All amazing. right, Taylor, you're up. So I, I've struggled with this. Like a week ago, I was sold that the Thunder are going to do something crazy off the radar, and like Cam Johnson's the guy. Jesus. I'm not feeling that anymore. So I have I have a, a backup big. There was a rumor that I don't put a lot of my stock into that the Thunder were interested in this player. But the reason I keep coming back to it is because he's been rumored to be available and, and there's other teams interested. That player is Isaiah Beef Stewart shooting, let's see, 37%, a career high 37.4% from three on 3.7 three-point attempts. Let's see if I can, uh, sorry, rebounds, find the true rebounds. Okay, maybe not. Uh, 6.8 rebounds, rebounds? this season. True rebounds, not total, fake ones. Total rebounds. <laughs> yeah, they're <laughs> true shooting, total rebounds, same things. Anyways, Isaiah Stewart, somebody I keep kind of coming back to that I think could kind of fit what we've been talking a lot about that I think Presti could be interested in. What was the name again? Isaiah Stewart? Isaiah Beef, Beef Stewart. Big Beefy. Beef yeah. Stew. Kevin. Beefy P. Kevin. Beefy That'd be Bobby P. Portis. <laughs> Beefy P. All right, Nick. Um... I'm gonna go really, really off the rails here. Uh oh, yes. names that we have not green. talked about, and I, I want to hear your thoughts on these names. Uh, one would be, and hear me fully when I say the name. <laughs> Jalen McDaniel's. Yeah. Okay. From the Raptors. I'm gonna say he's playing with the Raptors right now. Oh. Yeah. Played with the Sixers last year. It was pretty effective. Um, kind of like your poor man's DFS, Dorian Finney-Smith has been thrown out there. Um, I like that. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's again, not not the sexy trade, but he's a guy that I think fans talk themselves into. Um, I'll give you another one. Not a popular one. Uh, he sucked in his current situation, was solid <laughs> in his previous situation. Um, is on a four-year deal that's like non-guaranteed every year moving forward. So it's like a, it's a, Situation I think that is interesting to explore is Jock Landell. Mm. And OKC and the Rockets, even with it not being Maury, they're in the front office. They have a lot of history doing deals together. I could see that. I just think Raphael Stone's got to trade two first to us or two seconds to us, though. (laughs) No seconds allowed. I think he's probably out of seconds at this point. Um, I, I just think that's that's one of those weird trades. It's like last year, no one had no, no one talked about Dario Saric oh, yeah. coming to the Thunder, right? So I'm I'm trying to think like outside the box. Um, and I'll give you my that's a good one. I'll give you my sexy one. Uh, Ooh, wait, wait, so can you play the hot popping sounder? It is hot and sexy and popping. Thank you. You're the best. 
and it may it may sound like it doesn't make sense because this guy historically could not shoot or dribble, but it's been better this year. Matisse Thibel. I talked about Matisse like two weeks ago, and everybody shit on me. Did you? So I need to listen to the podcast, Nick. I I usually I send I send pictures all the time of me listening when I don't. That's join. true. So uh, after they played Portland, I said, "I wonder if Matisse is available." And Taylor said, "Why don't you go to hell and never come back?" <laughs> Jesus, Taylor. I don't think it was that aggressive. Uh, <laughs> he's he's shooting. The last two seasons since he got to Portland, he's a better shooter. Uh, yeah, it's career four, high. Basically, four attempts at. 37% over the last two years has improved, able to actually dribble the ball now, obviously an all-world defender. Um, and, the, and that's just, that's not an opinion. That's like the dude's been on all defense teams. Uh, 26 years old, 6'5", but super long, plays guard forward. I don't know. I just think that's... It's a pressy guy. I just yeah. like, again, I come back to the Royce O'Neal conversation. Like, just give me more Aaron Wiggins minutes, which could be, honestly, what this trade deadline comes down to. So we see more of the Aaron Wiggins come post-trade deadline and into the playoffs. Good. I thought Nick was going to go Jalen Smith. That's been a popular name I was going to mention because he's he's popping up in our comments. I'm not going to name the the 10 damn players that are on the timeline every single day. It's not fun. (laughs) Oh, let me say Wendell Carter, P.J. Washington, Jalen Smith, (laughs) Kelly Olenek. Let me me list the names on the timeline or do you want me to be creative here? Keep going. Stop. No, what about the other side of the the spectrum where like we're talking about Presley going for a huge home run swing that we aren't expecting? What name would that look like? Let's go rapid fire. Give give your home run swing guy. You're first. Yeah. We're we're snaking this thing. <laughs> I mean, I can't That's say Larry and I can't say Mikel. Um <sighs> it's tough. See, that's why I'm struggling. Yeah, Bridges isn't is not gettable, I don't think. Um, Cade Cunningham mentioned that like three weeks ago. No, it's not happening. <laughs> I will go. That's it, uh, that's not hard. That's why we're not coming up with names. That's why it would be so like extremely. Uh, all right, surprise home run, Patrick Williams. Uh, Fair. That's a home run. You hit a homer when you're down like 15. What What do you not like about him? <laughs> I like him in theory a lot. What do you, um, but what the, do you not like about him? The production that hasn't been there and the fact that word was that he did not sign the extension with Chicago because he wants more money, like near max money. Bigger role. And that ain't happening. Uh, my home run swing would be the Cam Johnson trade. Yeah. What if I told you you could trade for Pat Will and get him for the Cam Johnson contract? I'd be intrigued. Who do you, who do you think is a better three point shooter? That's actually a conversation. Pat Will doesn't get credit for it. Pat Will is a great on on lower volume, but a great. Yeah, I was about to say the volume is the big thing yeah. there. Yeah. JD, who's your home run? It, well, I said in my home run already, Bobby P, but it's uh, probably Okongwu, but he's probably not available. That's a good Ooh. one. It's a very good one. Like well, no, one. not necessarily. They're, they're Let me throw out some names just to get a temperature check. Names that aren't going to happen, but just to get a temperature check. Um, 
what's JD? I know we're about to get out of here. What's the scale? What's our temperature check scale? Should we have like three temperatures? Three, uh, yeah, three temperatures. Don't you have some sort of Applebee's take that you wanted to be the temperature check? <laughs> no, that was just going to be a separate non-basketball related. I have a food oh, okay. scale based on class, and it's Applebee's to Charleston's. Uh, <laughs> Who's in the but, middle? Well, it's Applebee's. Get you guys to some nicer restaurants. Well, it's <laughs> Applebee's. You say, what is Charleston? Well, it, yeah. I don't, that's a conversation. For You're from day. Tulsa? OKC? Okay, anyways. It's if you want to tell someone how nice restaurant is there's the applebee's to charleston scale is it's charleston all nice eh, yeah it's pretty nice it's the same it's it's, it's like it's fine is it mahogany nice no? no 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 it's the same genres of restaurants you got Applebee's. i put charleston's in the middle personally you got apple <laughs> chilies cheddars charleston's and then above that so yeah like your steakhouses all... and... okay. okay that's too much we just need right. three options for the heat check this is a science i've boiled down here we it's going like mild Hot and like blazing on the, in the Buffalo Wild Wings, Buffalo sauce scale. Why don't yeah. we? Why don't we go? No, that's gonna be too. This is horrible podcasting. <laughs> the people horrible. in the comments are just like, "What the hell is this?" <laughs> How about uh, green, yellow, red? That's kind of simple. I like to run red, so let's do that. First name: <laughs> Green, yellow, red. Kyle Kuzma. This is like how much we like it. Yeah, like would you be into it? Yellow. It's yellow. For and, me. And, and, and and to to set the stage, uh, green is the bottom, red's the top. It's not like green is go, red is no. <laughs> no, it's green like, is go. Oh, green Evan, is we go. are with you. I'm not sure what green the hell is this go. Is. Green is put the put yellow. the pedal. Okay, everyone goes not yellow because of the player, because of the package. That's what she said. Bringing <laughs> back Dario Saric. Green, red. I think I'm green here. Also, low Damn cost. It. Great fit. Awesome, Give me green. Daniel Gafford. Yellow. Yellow. Green. He was on my parlay yesterday. He did pretty damn well. <laughs> <laughs> Should be a green. Pat Connaughton. Red. Yellow. That's a Taylor play Aaron Wiggins more trade. Yeah. Grant Williams. Red. Dude's overpaid. He's, a, he's been bad in, in Dallas, but I think he's still a productive player. I like the playoff experience. I think it would fit this team well. Give me yellow. I'm going the greenest of greens. I I don't think his poor production will result in him getting bought for pennies in the dollar because he's like the sample size is larger of being good. It's just like maybe it's a Dallas thing. So I think Dallas would get a phenomenal package for him. I don't think like he's a buy low guy. I think if you get Boston him, the dog, the 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 guy that stirs shit up and that can get rebounds and play like two, three, yep. I mean, good grief. Yeah, I probably lean more green on the yellow scale than I would towards the red. Oh. <laughs> Bruce Brown. I'm yellow because it's gonna be a bidding war, and that ain't Sam. If you're if you're getting Bruce Brown, you're overpaying. Because others are trying to do the same thing. Which you have the assets to overpay, but like, is he the guy you want to overpay for when I think he's expiring if he wants to be? Is that right? Right. That's what I was thinking of too. That's the reason I would go yellow. Any short sighted trade, like if you're making a trade to win it all this year, my opinion is don't. And I don't think Sam will. I'm yellow too. Alex Caruso. 
yellow. That's another yellow for me. Yeah. I'm just not as high on Caruso as everybody else around the league seems to be. It's not like a, there there are other needs I would rather have before right. I got to Caruso. Even though I do think he is phenomenal, I think he is the perfect player to replace Kaysen in the playoffs, who's not experienced. Could be awesome in the playoffs. Could suck. Um, so I, Green is a player, but with, if the Bulls want no G package, I'm a hard red. I, I, sometimes my brain just does this thing. <laughs> I, another reason why I probably go to counseling. <laughs> I just started kicking this one around the other day. Dejounte Murray. Yes. I've been doing the same. If you can get him for the package that he's being discussed, where it's like two okay it, first, it, it's like half the package that San Antonio got for him. I think. Being in Atlanta does some things to you. Like, isn't it, isn't it, isn't it funny how Capella and DeAndre Hunter and Onyeka Kongu and like all the players on the Hawks are highly coveted by their fan bases, but the Hawks suck? Like, doesn't that tell you something? Um, before he got traded to Atlanta, the dude was an all star over Shea, though Shea has gotten better. The dude was averaging like 20 something, eight and eight. On he was an all defensive shooting, guy. all defensive. He- he wouldn't do that here offensively, but I, I agree. Like that but is when you have the ability fun. to, right? Like you don't, you don't need him to average that every night, but if Shea gets hurt or he's having a down game or whatever, like it's, it's all about the ceiling. If you can get DeJounte Murray for the Lakers package, I would not hate that. And you stagger him that. So green, minute, that's fun. I'm green. I'm green. That's, I've talked myself a, into it. Probably a, probably a take that people are going to hate, but yeah. It had to be about uh, role. Like, what role does he want? Is it is it going to be another conversation? A starter. I know. And then, how much do you want him to have the ball compared to SGA and Dub? I don't know. True. I don't. I have a name. Or is I, that even I, the conversation I, to have? I threw a name out have. here about a month ago, and I'm still like I, another name that I just kept kind of talk myself into a little more. Gary Trent Jr. <laughs> Red. I wouldn't hate Vol- the bench volume thing. shooter needs. Needs a lot of shots to be impactful. I don't think that's what this mm. team needs. I don't have stats right now, but I'm not sure that's the case. It's the case. He can defend. He's a volume shooter. I had more, but I think ending on the DeJounte Murray one is probably a, a good call. You mean the Gary Trent Jr. one? <laughs> no, we're omitting that. We're cutting it from the, the show. <laughs> All right. Great show tonight, folks. Thanks for joining us. Let's get the hell out of here. We'll be back tomorrow, actually. Nick, running the show. Talking about, hopefully, a bunch of... Give me something. Please. One more time, just for good luck. (laughs) All right, we'll see you guys tomorrow. Probably same time. Usual time. I see. After, hopefully, a bunch of slop. We're just gobbling up throughout the day. I'll be in the bathroom at 3 p.m. If anyone needs to find me. Hey, it's 2 p.m. You're going to be late. Two. Oh, You're at 2 p.m. 2 p.m. I'll be there. So scrolling Twitter waiting for updates and it's over. <laughs> All right. Thanks for listening. Thanks for the watching. The bathroom thanks in Charleston. That's where you can find JD tomorrow. <laughs> I'll revisit that scale again one of these days. Okay. See you guys next time. Adios and thunder up. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. 
If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.